Welcome to the Monday Night Raw review here on the WWE podcast. It is Tuesday, July 12th, 2022. We've got a lot to discuss tonight, but I've got a co-host here to help me through it. Ian, you guys have heard him before. He's done a podcast with me in the past, a patron of the show. I'd encourage you guys to go on, on Patreon as well, because that's one of the benefits of going to Patreon and becoming a, uh, a supporter of the show, because you get to come on and do just this. And I had a lot of fun talking with Ian with Monday Night Raw, with all the big stories coming out of it. Brock Lesnar destroying the Alpha Academy, Paul Heyman's interaction with him. Of course, the women's disqualification that uh, between Carmella and Bianca Belair, be a uh, Becky Lynch demanding she be in the championship picture and so much more, including Edge's latest teaser. So we're going to talk about that and the entire show right after this. So in addition to pro wrestling that I need every day, I don't know about you. I need coffee every day and I need quality coffee. That's why I go with coffee of Valhalla.com. They get fresh roasted specialty coffee roasted the day it ships to your door. Again, it's coffee of Valhalla.com. That's coffee of V A L H A L L A V A L H A L L A.com because the owner is a former service member trying to take care of his battle buddies. He donates 50% of the proceeds to stop soldiersuicide.org. So order today and use discount code 10 off all one word for a 10% discount or you can subscribe and save 15% off of your order. So go get some coffee again at coffeeofvalhalla.com, coffeeofvalhalla.com, guys. And also donate to a great cause and have a great cup of coffee, guys. Coffeeofvalhalla.com. Yo, so I co-host an entertaining, funny, and hopefully insightful weekly podcast called Bacio Death Trip, B-A-C-I-O Death Trip. It's all about those late 90s, Early 2000s new metal albums, you know the ones, there are some classics, some best forgotten, some underrated drop D masterpieces. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts. If you like it, awesome. Uh, welcome aboard. If it's not your thing, all good. That's it. That's the pitch. That's Badger Death Trip. You can get it wherever you get your soon-to-be award-winning podcasts. This is WWE superstar Drew McIntyre, and you're listening to the WWE Podcast. One that everybody wants me. You're gonna acknowledge me. Welcome to the Monday Night Raw review, everybody. Tonight we've got Ian with us. He's with he was with us before, and we are now back together once again to talk about Monday Night Raw as we are my gosh, a uh, little over two and a half weeks or two and a half weeks or so from SummerSlam, which takes place on uh, July 30th, which will be coming up before you know it. And we've got a lot of a lot of interesting stuff to talk about tonight with Monday Night Raw with, of all people, Dolph Ziggler ending the show. Uh, so we'll talk about that and much more. But uh, first of all, welcome to the show. Ian, how you doing? I'm doing very well. Glad to uh, be back uh, after a month of absence and uh, just ready to rock and roll with you guys. Let's do it. Absolutely. And I mean, th this show was highlighted. You know, we'll get to Dolph Ziggler, but it was highlighted by Brock Lesnar, who opened the show. And he had some things to say about Roman Reigns being, quote, high on the hog since he beat him at WrestleMania 
and then he's referred to Reigns as a hog and talked about how he slaughters hogs on his farm all the time. Lesnar was interrupted by Heyman, and Theory ends up coming out. And uh, w- what did you think about all this? Of course, Alpha Academy comes out, and yeah, they, they try to attack Lesnar for some unknown reason. They were just kind of the sacrificial lamb, so to speak. But Lesnar ends up destroying them, F5 on Otis through the table. Did you enjoy this uh, this segment at the beginning? Uh, probably right in the beginning because uh, it's more that that sh- that shock reaction, you know, just get Brock Lesnar right in the beginning. I, I, I see that that trend for for Raw or even SmackDown where they they started off at a high level, but then it kind of tears down. But and I mean, even with Brock coming out, um, you know, they were late on his pyro, and he even laughed about it. He, like he you know kind of did his his movement, and the pyro came like five seconds later. Um, but yeah, and then just, I, I don't know what's going on with this, like, with, with Paul Heyman, because if, I don't know, like, going back to SmackDown and just the way he's talking about Brock Lesnar, you, you always remember his intro to Brock Lesnar and how much passion he has into it. And I don't know, for me, I kind of got like another, maybe another Paul Heyman, like, hinting on portraying again. I, I, that's just, I just got different vibes from him. He, like, cause when he, when he talks about Roman, it's, you know, he still praises him, but the, you can tell he wants to do the, the reigning, defending, you know, what he did with Brock. And then, you know, even with uh, Austin Theory, uh, I don't know. Uh, I'd like to see him just kind of lose that briefcase right away. Uh, I don't think he's, uh, I, I think he's got a lot of potential, but he's, it's way too soon for him to be a champion. And, uh, you know, I don't know what was going on when he uh, showed the video of uh, Brock F5-ing him at Elimination Chamber, and they just, like, blacked out half the video. So, um, but, yeah, I mean, it was it, – it's still a good intro for Raw, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a strong introduction to the show. I, I enjoyed how Brock didn't say, welcome to Monday Night Raw. That was a, that was a plus for me. Um, and but I enjoy Paul Heyman and Paul Heyman and Lesnar together is always a great combination. They I mean, they have such good chemistry together. Brock isn't the best guy on the on promo. Brock is not the most well-spoken, I guess, or eloquent speaker ever. But he makes up for that in presence. And, uh, you know, that, that is what Brock Lesnar brings in, in terms of, you know, his his abilities and his positives. On top of the fact that he's an absolute monster at 45 years old. And uh, Theory, like you said, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm a fan of Theory. Like, I get what Vince sees, and I understand why he's in that position. But I agree it's a little too soon for Theory to to, to capture a, a major championship. There is a, there's a few steps before we get there. I'm not ready for it either, and I hope that he it's a failed cash-in. I really do hope. It's, just, it's too soon for him, and I hope it'll be a failed cash-in at SummerSlam, which he's called his shot. I don't know why he's being so open about it. You'd imagine that a heel would not be so open about his plan, about what he's going to do at SummerSlam. So, yeah, overall, I give this I, I give this like a, a B rating. I think it was it was a solid open. It gave you what you wanted. Brock Lesnar destroying people. Uh, it gave you Paul Heyman who can sell you know ice to an Eskimo. And I, I, like you said, it was interesting too with Paul Heyman, as you noted, that Paul Heyman could be turning back to Brock. The only evidence for that is, at least on Raw that I saw, is that the Usos were watching him backstage. If you notice that, it was only a few seconds that the Usos, they shot to the Usos watching Paul Heyman with kind of these, like, th- this skeptical look on their face about Brock 
or looking at Paul Heyman when he was speaking. So do you really think that he could turn back to Brock? I mean, do would you feel like that'd be a little kind of kind of weird, or do you do you think that could happen? Um, I would like to, but the the thing with Brock is he's not full time, so you know I think he you know is maybe another six months to a year, or just kind of coming sparingly, like you know how like Goldberg would randomly come about. But um, I don't know. I th- I think uh, you know with as, as much as I don't want this to happen, you know, with whether or not Roman Reigns turns face again, I just don't want it to be that angle where, like, you know, Paul Heyman screws him over, and then it's a whole segment of him trying to get revenge on Paul Heyman, sort of like Brock did back in, like, 03, 04. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I don't know. It just, like, I think Paul just he, – he does great, but I think now Roman has – obviously improved his mic skills tremendously. And I just don't think he needs Paul Heyman so much anymore. And Paul, I think maybe once or twice has really interfered with matches, but he, I don't, I don't know. He kind of seems like an afterthought now with, uh, with that whole family. So mm-hmm. I don't know. that is a yeah. weird dynamic given how talented uh, Paul Heyman is on the mic. He's a guy that is just so good and has carried he carried Brock Lesnar through his Universal Championship run several years ago. I mean, he was he was excellent, and he cut some A plus promos on a weekly basis. But yeah, it's almost as if they don't need Heyman right now. I mean, he's he's an addition. He's not a subtraction, but it's not needed for Paul Heyman to be there because Brock Lesnar is just being himself. That's Brock Lesnar out there right now, and that's what's fun to watch. So. Um, all right, well, let's get on to the show here in terms of wrestling, and we got Finn Balor versus Rey Mysterio. Finn Balor beats Rey Mysterio after hitting the coup de grace, and Rey and Dominic were confronted by the Judgment Day with Balor and Damian Priest suggesting Dominic should join before uh, calling Rey a bad father. So what did you think of this? Yeah, I with, with the Judgment Day, I, I had very high hopes because – with with Edge sort of being the leader, and this was a good way to prolong his career, um, where he didn't have to be in a lot of matches. Uh, obviously, he's still in the uh, backstage uh, mentoring other wrestlers, but to be on TV and mentoring, whether you know as a good guy or a bad guy, it's getting these younger guys. I mean, obviously, uh, they're not the youngest; they're not in their twenties. But without him, there's no direction, and it's almost I, I kind of laugh at it. It almost reminds me of the uh, retribution. You know, it's just they they come they come in hot, and now it's just sort of an afterthought. And you know, all of a sudden, you know, Finn Balor's wearing his like his long black tights. I don't know if that's just to make him more like evil like, but uh, I don't know. After Finn being a face for so long, I I have no fear in him. There's there's no like. I, I think if anything, bring the demon out of him, just sort of make him scary. But uh, we've been we've been wanting a push for a dominant heel heel turn for a while. But um, I've just noticed over the last you know couple months, you know he's it just seems like he's uh, you know using his his father Ray as as a crutch. Like he, I think I said this in the last podcast I was in. He needs to he needs to go down to NXT and and work on a few things. His, his moves and stuff are great, but his promo skills, he's just, he's, there's a, you forget, like when you go back to Austin theory, I forget that he's 24 years old, but his mic skills are unbelievable. 
when Dominic's on, on the mic, he, he, he sounds like he's in high school. So, um, you know, it was, it was an okay match, but, uh, you know, we've seen hints like that where, all right, maybe he will join or he'll turn on his dad and then nothing happens. But I do hope something changes in that or they, they need to add to the, the judgment day to, two people you need a stable you need at least three people in there and not one of them has really i mean obviously finn has talked more but there's really no leader in that and who knows with this whole like you know mysterious videos with and we all know it's edge Mm -hmm. i don't know if he somehow is going to go back to judgment day and there was it was just like you know tricking us all but they need they need more people on the judgment day because you give it another month and they're going to they're not even going to be in a pay-per-view, let alone Raw. It's really amazing, you know, where the Judgment Day was just five, six weeks ago, being an absolute shining light of Raw to, like, I mean, like, just cutting good promos. They had direction. They felt important. Uh, they were helping build the younger stars, which is the point of every faction, and that's what it should be. And it was awesome. And then Rhea Ripley, of course, joins, and you're like, this is great. And Edge gets banished which made no sense. And then Rhea Ripley, of course, gets an injury. She's out. And the group disappears before Money in the Bank, and they're just off TV for weeks. And it's amazing. I mean, just off of a cliff. And, yeah, those those promo videos, I think, are for Edge. I don't know how they're not. I always, I said it was Bray Wyatt. I, I think I've finally been convinced that it's Edge, given especially this week with the John Cena hat or the shirt or something that was burning. The, the you can't see me uh, merchandise, um, you know, it, it has to be Edge. And I do wonder, like you said, does he dare rejoin Judgment Day? I mean, maybe he said, you know, I needed to get that weakness out of me. Thank you guys for beating it out of me. Or, you know, maybe he does come back as this darker character. I don't see how he comes back as the the Edge that we saw that returned at the Rumble in 2020. I don't know how you go back to that. So it's interesting this for me is is what character evolution has Edge gone through upon his return, which I'd imagine is going to be at SummerSlam or before SummerSlam, probably taking on Finn Balor, uh, who is, I guess, the de facto leader of that group. But, boy, they, they certainly don't make you feel like they have a leader, like you said. No, and I, I, I could see if Edge was, you know, back to, you know, the baby face and, you know, sticking or kind of joining alliance with like AJ Styles because obviously he has like really no role at this point, which is unfortunate with, uh, you know, the, you know, he's got maybe a couple years left in him and they're just not using him well. But the closest I could think with Edge and even though he already used it is kind of, uh, going back to the brood. I mean, that would be sort of like a mixture of like being like, you know, this like, awesome dude but also still being a face um but who knows i mean uh creative has done some some weird stuff over the years so god only knows what we'll we'll see in edge i mean uh i'm I'm assuming uh you know that with with edge you know i i have no idea uh it's all up to creative you know Mm-hmm. No, it is. And I think with Edge, the fans are going to cheer him when he comes back. That's going to be the most fascinating thing to me, that the fans are just going to probably, the, they're going to embrace him upon his return, even though he came back. Uh, he he did an excellent job as a heel, running down us, talking about how miserable our lives are, you know, talking about how he, you know, he wishes he did this a long time ago, all this stuff. And I think that uh, the fans are going to forget all that pretty quickly, and they're just going to embrace his return. 
Unless he rejoins. So Edge's return is certainly fascinating, but I think it's going to happen in the next uh, two to three weeks for sure. So, all right, moving on. The Raw Women's Championship. Carmella defeats Bianca Belair, and it became it came from a distraction by Becky Lynch at ringside uh, because it was via countout, so it wasn't really... And Carmella pretending that she won is... I mean, I get why they did that, but also at the same time, if you're at that level, how do you not know that a championship doesn't change hands by a countout? Uh, but I get it. So uh, Lynch said that she deserves a title shot before the match and that she's being told she has to jump through a whole bunch of hoops when uh, Carmella is just handed this opportunity. And uh, so it was. I think the match was fine. Carmella is, to me, uh, she's not quite at the level of uh, Becky Lynch, I don't think. I think Becky Lynch is... And, and, and Bianca Belair and, you know, those elite top female wrestlers are obviously, I think, much better in the ring than Carmella. But Carmella seeming, for some reason, they're just deciding to take her and stick her into the main event week after week now. And I don't hate it. I'm not a Carmella fan. Uh, she's a bit of a Divas era hangover for me. Not quite that bad, but she feels a little bit like an overlap. And uh, just because she, her whole gimmick is about how she looks. It's like doesn't get any more superficial than that. And it, that's the exact definition of what was the problem in the Divas era and before that. So Carmella to me just has that vibe to her. But she held up her end, and uh, I think the match was okay. I think we're going to get a triple threat given the, the outcome here that Carmella didn't really you know, uh, lose the match or rather didn't truly win and Bianca didn't truly lose given it was a count out. I think they're going triple threat here at WrestleMania or at SummerSlam with Becky Lynch. Uh, what did you think about the match, and where do you think they're going for SummerSlam? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, the match in general, uh, it, it was, uh, you know, I, I think that's the thing that's tough is, like, with, uh, you know, with wrestlers like Carmella, I, I think they are a lot more athletic than what they see on, on TV. But, again, they they don't have much creative control, certain wrestlers, so they can only do certain moves. Uh, especially to make uh, the top face, the top champion, uh, the most dominant. Um, you know, I thought it was, uh, especially for, you know, diehard fans that, you know, ha- have brains in this, you know, um, Bianca, you're the the face of, of Raw and you don't know that there's going to be a count out. Um, I, I thought that was kind of a very lazy way of ending the match there. Um, this doesn't be because in a way, like I understand that might set up for the triple threat, but it's like you don't really need to protect um, Carmella in this situation. Like I, I've lost count how many times they've had a championship match. I, I swear, she and uh, B- Bianca and Carmella have had the most matches against each other for that championship. Um, but I hope I, I would assume you know you know I like to think that Becky would retain you know not retain but uh would take the 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 belt off of uh bianca like i again i know we've we've spoken about it before but it's it's time to do a little bit of rebranding for uh bianca because she's she's getting pretty close already she hasn't been here this long but she's getting pretty close to that you know that john cena the same same gimmick the same talks all that and she can easily use all the words and gimmicks that she does and turn it right into a heel. Um, I don't know how they would do that, but that's that's my guess, and that's what I'm hoping for. I think it's really super. All they have to do with Bianca is just give her an attitude. She already has everything else set up. 
I mean, she is a heel through and through other than just she comes off endearing. If she comes off a little arrogant, EST is the definition of, of narcissism. You're saying the fastest, yeah. the strong. I mean, you're, you're the, just the most superior human being ever is what she's saying. And somehow she's been able to pull it off as as a baby face character, which is really, truly amazing when you think about it. Um, so credit to her. But it's 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 an inch away from being a heel. It's just a small tweak, I think. And, and like you said, the reaction is starting to really wane. And I feel the same way about Ron. Ronda Rousey. I know we're not talking about SmackDown, but Ronda Rousey's kind of in the same boat. I would argue she's even further along to that heel turn. I, I would love to see Bianca and Ronda both flip. I think they're both right, ready to go. I think you would freshen their characters up instantly. I think Ronda, especially Ronda, um, when you when you look at uh, her, but Bianca and Carmella, I agree. I don't understand why they did this to protect Carmella. The only reason they did it wasn't with the intent, I think, to protect Carmella, but more to just add a third person to the match at SummerSlam. Uh, that's why I think they did it. They didn't go, oh, guys, we got to protect Carmella. It was just find a way to not give a clean finish so that Carmella has an argument to get into the match at SummerSlam. Uh, that's what I why I think they did it, uh, rather than just having Bianca versus Becky. But honestly... I don't know why they wouldn't just do straight up Bianca Becky at, at SummerSlam because that would be very apropos for what happened last year with Becky returning and doing her 20 some second victory over Bianca. I mean, that, that would there's a lot of story there. No, yeah, they, they could still do it. They could still do it. But to me, this hints at Carmella being involved. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to have, uh, you know, the 20th match of Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns, <laughs> why, why can't we just have another? And these are two stud athletes that can put on a show and they, they don't need a third person to change up the dynamic and, you know, uh, I don't know, make, make a stipulation out of it, a tables match, uh, you know, like the match that they, they had with, uh, with, with Becky and Oscar. It's like that, like, of course, like they, they do something like that on, you know, obviously the main event, but on raw, like that, that's a pay-per-view type type match. And it's like, you add just a, I don't know, steel cage or something like that. Um, they, they would do wonders with it. Those two are are incredible talent, and you don't need a, a third person to kind of mix it up or, or whatnot. Um, I, and for, for me personally, I think uh, Becky is so popular with the fans that, you know, she I, I, I prefer her being a face than a heel. Her, her heel is just – it's more whiny and just like it's not intimidating, and, and it's already old. It's It's just – I don't believe it at all. I, uh, you know, I, I just think that that switch with with Bianca. The only thing is with Bianca, uh, I, I would just hope because you know, obviously, a lot of people that switch over to a heel, like you know, reference to Seth Rollins, he he cut like a lot of his athletic ability, you know, because of his heel characteristic. And I'm just I mean, with how Bianca is, she's so athletic. I would hope that, you know, she wouldn't, you know, take away some of her moves because she would be a heel, sort of like uh, Rhea Ripley. Like Rhea's definitely taken a, 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 you know, taken a few of her moves away because, you know, certain heels have to do that, you know, to get, you know, to, to steal certain wins or to cheat and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. You don't want to you want to please the crowd, but at the same time, I, that's just kind of the style of today's wrestling. Is everyone's athletic? Everyone seems to be a gymnast. Uh, it, it's very, very showmanship. It's you know. So I, I, I get you definitely. I mean, Bianca has a very babyface style to her because she's so good in the ring. She's super strong. She puts on excellent matches. But there's ways to kind of tweak that where she doesn't do crowd pleasing moments. She doesn't, you know, she, maybe she changes her music and just be, gets an attitude. There, I think that there's something there 
for that. Um, but, uh, when, you know, I, I honestly, as I'm playing this out in my head with SummerSlam, I could see, uh, fine, it's a triple threat. Say Becky's involved, Carmella and B- versus Bianca. I could see Becky winning and then uh, having maybe Becky pins Carmella as Carmella will be added there, added to that match really as the one to just take the pinfall. And then Bianca is standing there after Becky wins clean and then just attacks Becky from behind and goes berserk on her. I think the crowd would turn on Bianca and they would side with Becky because like you said, Becky really never has been a true heel. They didn't change her music, which I think was a big mistake. Um, And fans just don't, they don't want to hate her. It's like a stone cold turn. People yeah. just, they don't, like, they get on board a little bit, and then they see her, and they hear that music, and they're like, yeah, but we just we just love this character. We, you know, it's hard to hate Becky Lynch. She's doing as best she can, but I, there's that resistance from fans that I think that they would be more than willing to to switch back. I think they could do a double turn here. Bianca turns heel, Becky turns babyface. I, I, I think you could have that at SummerSlam. Yeah, and, and, and who knows? I, I know the whole draft is a joke, but... You know, maybe Bianca, you know, takes her talents over back over to SmackDown and tries a, a new rival with mm-hmm. with somebody else. Or hey, you never know. Maybe she, uh, she yeah, creative has done uh, uh, weird things before, but uh, you never know. Maybe she'll uh, take over Rhea and and, and join the the Judgment Day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, there, there's a lot that could happen. Of course, we'll, we'll pretend that the draft exists. I, I'll, I'll be shocked if they do that this year, just because of. You know, no, I won't be because they'll have it and then say they still have a draft, and yet people are coming back and forth with no explanation. So, um, all right, well, let's move on here. AJ Styles and Ezekiel uh, versus The Miz and Ciampa. And uh, AJ Styles and Ezekiel beat Miz and Ciampa via disqualification. Ciampa refused to stop attacking Styles, and that's really what caused the DQ. Before the match, of course, we got Logan Paul. And that whole nonsense with the Miz. Uh, what did you think about this matchup that ended in a DQ and Logan Paul? Uh yeah, like um, it's it's quite interesting that um, you know, they're 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 having Logan Paul be more of a face or trying to present him as one. Um, I I I, I don't think the the crowd is gonna believe on that, but <laughs> mm-hmm. um, he definitely has um. He has the athletic ability to uh, be a pretty good, uh, pretty good wrestler. I think he'll still need a few more tag teams, uh, tag team matches uh, to kind of get his feet wet. Um, but you know, with, with Champa, it's just uh, it's unfortunate because you know attaching him with with Miz, um, not always the worst thing, but it's like if anyone has watched NXT or just watched you know some of his clips on YouTube, like. He doesn't need any of that assistance, you know. He, you know, when he first came up, we're like, is he a face? Is he a heel? Um, I think he would have been a great addition to uh, the Judgment Day. He kind of almost reminds me of like if he was in, you know, the Judgment Day. He kind of reminds me of like Butch, you know. He's just like a, a scrappy fighter and just looking to have a, a cheap hit on anyone. And I don't know. I, I, they're definitely wasting his talent right now. And um, you know. I'm not sure if uh, uh, Ciampa will, um, you know, get back at Miz because, you know, Miz kind of just bailed out at the last possible second like he usually does. But, um, you know, hopefully we, we can get we, we can get Ciampa on a on a pay-per-view, um, even if it's a if it's a small segment. But not not sure if they're leaning towards another tag team matchup um, where 
um, Logan Paul is, is facing Miz, and I don't know what the, the partner situation will be or if it will be one-on-one. Um, but with all the, the practice, I think, and the training that Logan Paul has, um, and obviously the experience that Miz has, I think, uh, Miz could, you know, help him guide through a match, you know, a five to five to eight minute match doesn't have to be, you know, a, a long one either. So, I mean, Logan Paul, first of all, I, I really have no interest in, in him. And now my, my tune may change as I see him evolve in WWE, but to me, I still look at him as kind of the celebrity that's coming in and that WWE is simply trying to capitalize on the 23 million subscribers he has on YouTube. And I get it. I, I understand from a business perspective why they're doing that. I totally understand it. But from a fan perspective, it's just like this dude is, like you said, if they're trying to hilariously bring him in to, uh, to get the fans to cheer for him, I, I don't know what they're thinking. They tried this. Didn't they only try this like twice at WrestleMania last year? And, you know, Kevin Owens gave him a stunner and like people lost their minds. And, um, you know, they have lost every single time they try to bring him in as a heel. He is born to be a heel. He's a, yeah. he's a celebrity that has come in. He's done some things questionable in his past that people may or may not have forgotten about. Um, he feels like an entitled uh, D-bag. I mean, he just got that feeling to him, and that's a compliment if you're bringing him in as a heel. If they're going to – I want to see the reaction. If they try to position him, and it seems like they are positioning him as a babyface, I would love to see that because as much as The Miz has been a heel for pretty much his entire career, the fans will side with The Miz because – he has been there longer. There's the respect factor. Uh, Logan Paul's an outsider. He, he he has taken the fast track to WWE because of his uh, his social media status. That's the only reason he's in the position he is is because of social media. Uh, other than, I mean, yes, he's he's a he's a good athlete. He's a legitimate tough guy, no doubt. But uh, social media is the only reason he's where he's at. And so I think people are going to see that and they're going to boo the hell out of Logan Paul. There's just no yeah. way. And, and next next week, they're going to get a test run because he's coming to Raw. Stay right there. The WWE Podcast will return after this quick break. So in addition to pro wrestling that I need every day, I don't know about you. I need coffee every day, and I need quality coffee. That's why I go with coffeeofvalhalla.com. They get fresh roasted specialty coffee roasted the day it ships to your door. Again, it's coffeeofvalhalla.com. Dot com. That's coffee of V-A-L-H-A-L-L-A-V-A-L-H-A-L-L-A.com because the owner is a former service member trying to take care of his battle buddies. He donates 50% of the proceeds to StopSoldierSuicide.org. So order today and use discount code 10OFF, all one word, for a 10% discount or you can subscribe and save 15% off of your order. So go get some coffee again at coffeeofvalhalla.com, coffeeofvalhalla.com, guys. And also donate to a great cause and have a great cup of coffee, guys. Coffeeofvalhalla.com. Welcome back to the WWE Podcast. Let's get back to more great wrestling audio. Yeah, and um, I mean, that, and it shows you right there uh, at WrestleMania, two heels that you know one and uh, one heel turns on the other heel, and they they still cheered for the Miz after that, or maybe they were kind of just in shock, but they were just like, ah, I'm glad you did it to to Logan Paul, you know. So 
Um, yeah, I, I mean, maybe maybe it would be easier if it was his brother, Jay Paul, coming out. Uh, I think, uh, to my knowledge, it seems like he's got more heat on him than, than Logan Paul. But, um, yeah, it would be interesting. Um, and, and Miz is one of those guys where, yes, we're we're annoyed by his repetition of Miz, Miz TV and the same quotes that he'll always say. But, you know, believe it or not, when, when, he, when he's done, we're going to miss him. We're going to miss him dearly. So, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think the Miz, like I, I crap on him on a weekly basis, only because I feel like there's no character evolution for him, and they just will not stop with Miz TV on Raw. It's the most overused talk show ever. Um, yeah. I, I just, I, I don't understand. They, they use it as like a catch-all, and they know it's a landing spot where it can be anything they need it to be. So I understand the reason they do it, but it's just too much, and there's so little character evolution from the Miz. He's good on the mic, but it's just, it's like I'm watching a rerun every week with the Miz with how he looks, the way he talks, the way his show is laid out. It's just insert wrestler X, and The Miz does this and this and this, and you know he's going to say this. Uh, that's the problem I have with his whole character. So, uh, But the match itself here, I, I don't want to crap on the match, but it ended in a DQ because Ciampa refused to uh, stop attacking Styles, so the ref stopped the whole match. And Ciampa, like you said, um, is... He's going to be protected as he should be, but I, the, the the way that you're, you're you know you're talking about NXT, when Vince brings up a talent, he is going with the assumption that nobody that's watches Raw or SmackDown has ever seen this guy, so he can't use that pretext to say, oh well, we're not gonna we're not gonna you know uh, do it the way we normally do because people know who he is. He is going with the assumption that most people don't know who the hell he is, so they have to bring him up in a different way, which I think is a big mistake. Honestly, all they have to do is just run a video package of NXT of what he's accomplished, and people will be caught up in like two minutes, even if you've never seen his, you know, his work. So, I mean, that's that's a whole other uh, issue. But they're protecting Champa as they should. The guy's an excellent worker. He's good on the mic. There's really no complaints here. But I don't want him being viewed as this rookie. Like, I, I th- that's not who Champa is. No, no, and um. That, that's that's one thing I'm, I'm hoping, you know, from what the news I've gotten where Triple H, I guess, you know, he, he's back in NXT and I guess has an even bigger role than what he did before. And, you know, with everything that's happening with Vince, um, you know, I've always been a, a, for the last three, four years, I'm just waiting for someone else to take the reins. Like, it's just I, I, I know he's probably just looking at the numbers and seeing how much money he's making, but it's just. I don't know. I, I feel like you could take anyone from like that watches it and they're in high school or in college and they can they can write better episodes than this. It's just it's just uh, it's just sad sometimes. But you know, we we hope for the best. That's all we can. That's all we can pray for. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it is. It's true. I mean, and maybe you get your wish with this hush money. We'll see. I mean, yeah. yeah, we will see. Uh, all right. Uh, next up is Alexa Bliss and Oscar who defeated Nikki Ash and Dewdrop after Bliss hit Nikki. With a DDT, what did you make of this? Um, I was actually happy to see the DDT as like her finisher. Um, people like for a while that uh, you know, it, I think that was um, I could be wrong, but I think it was Jake the Snake mm-hmm. um, that that was his finisher. Um, it, it could be somebody else, but um, that that really was like you know a, a very uh, you know impactful move and just her being able to do that and uh get the the one two three was great um but also uh at the end of it you know when 
her hands were raised up and everything. I, I was just, I was sort of waiting for her to hit her partner. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm just, it wouldn't make any, like, real sense. But it's just, like, at least it would give her character, like, she's almost, like, just neutral. She's not a good a, a good person, a good wrestler or like a, a bad, you know, face or heel. She's just kind of, I don't know what is going on right now. Again, that's another person that could have easily just been thrown into the judgment day. Like she would have fit in perfectly with, you know, how she was doing that. It's just, it's, and she has, she really does have a lot of talent and they're just not using it. I don't, the only thing I could think of um, with these random tag team matches is, is if they're just sort of testing out and see, all right, Let's not bring out these tag team titles out or have some type of tournament. Let's just see, like, how many type of, you know, tag matches we can get. How, what's the volume of, of the women's division where we can actually make this legitimate? Because we don't, we don't want to bring this back out again and have it be a, an ultimate failure. So that's the one thing I could think of because there was, like, really no – there's no storyline between that. That was just a random match, which, hey, I'd rather see a lot more matches than these – you know, talking segments, but um, that's what I kind of got out of it was uh, I'm, I'm hoping that this is sort of like a test run to see, do we have enough, um, you know, female uh, tag teams and ones that have good chemistry and actually have, you know, characters that make sense to each other. And can we continue this, you know, in the long run? Um, and I think that's a safe way of doing it than just throwing out the, the, the tag team titles, whether they're vacant or, you know, Naomi and Sasha come back or whatnot, but uh, that's what I got out of it. It's just more of a test run to see what we can do with the tag team division. Yeah, I got to say, I don't miss the tag team championships, I, and I don't hear anybody else saying, oh, man, I, I really wish they would do something about it. Nobody. I've heard nobody say to me, and I've heard nobody on social media say, oh, man, I really wish they would bring back the women's tag team championships. Nobody. And that's just like it's a testament to how poorly executed most of the time, not all of it, most of the time they executed those championships. It felt forced. It never felt organic. It was just trying to get them, no matter even if it made sense or not, get them all on the same level as the men, even if it wasn't they weren't ready for this yet. So this to me is a blessing in disguise with Sasha and Naomi walking out if they come back or don't right now, they have the benefit of being able to quietly kind of put them on the shelf, the, 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 the championships until they've established a women's tag team division. We're going to really find out now that there's no championship for the time being, if they're going to truly take it serious by building a tag team division and then introducing the tag team championships, that's how they should have done it. Instead, they introduced the championship with no tag teams. So now they have the opportunity to do it the right way and we'll see if they actually are able to do it. And to your point about the DDT, I like when they reestablish things that should be finishers as finishers. DDT is one of them. Think about what you're doing. You're driving all of your body weight and putting it on the skull of that individual and driving it into the mat. I mean, it should be a finish. It's a knockout move. I mean, it should be, along with the super kick, which Dolph Ziggler has reintroduced, uh, as well as Carmella, who uses the super kick. The Usos overuse it, but they also have used it as finishes at times. So I like things like that being reintroduced. We have Gunther, who's using the power bomb as a finish. I love this stuff because we've been so educated over the years to, to just think that these are transition moves when instead they should be finishes. Uh, so yeah. I, I love this kind of stuff. And like you said, yeah, Alexa Bliss would have been a perfect fit in the Judgment Day, no doubt. Yeah, and to go along with the tag team division, like, yeah, I do not miss those, like, one bit. I mean, I thought it was pretty cool for, you know, when they first introduced it and had that Elimination Chamber match and, and whatnot, but... 
Um, if, if you're going to uh, have any of these up and coming wrestlers that have a lot of talent, um, you know, the only thing that that is available for them is the money in the bank. So I don't know what you would want to call it, but they need to have some form of intercontinental or U.S. title, some mid-level card champion. So you know that, you know, they're they're on the rise and it would just I, I think it would still um, keep the women's division, you know, up top when you have a, a, a second type, you know, a second tier title. Um, I think that would give a lot of opportunities and, um, you know, more opportunities in, in pay-per-views as well. Um, just I, I think maybe maybe with the, the tag team they're like with many others that might be inexperienced or not ready, it allows them not to, you know, uh, be wrestling the entire match and, you know, still learning from experienced wrestlers. But, yeah, I think a second tier title would be great. But. Um, again, like I said, I, all I can do is pray for something like that to happen. I think it would be beneficial for certain ones. Like, like, especially like, you know, I know she's SmackDown Women's Champion, but like Liv Morgan would have been perfect to have some form of like mid-level championship. So you knew that she was on the rise. So mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. I, I'm all for it. As long as the depth is there, because if they have too many championship and championships in a women's division that is already thin, then it doesn't, it holds less value. But I think now they, they you know, with a returning Charlotte, hopefully on the way Bailey is, is, you know, we, we've been getting teases of Bailey returning for like six months. It feels like, you yeah. know, if, if Sasha Banks uh, ever returns, if Naomi ever returns, they're out there, uh, you know, there are, and of course, any NXT call-ups, that kind of thing. And so there, there are women out there that you could point to and say, hey, uh, you know, they could be, they could be your women's champion. And then you have enough depth to present a mid-card championship. The only, only issue I have with that is like, okay, well, then there'll never be a women's a women's match again ever that is about personal feuds, where a lot of the men's, you know, are, where it's few championships and a lot of personal feuds. And most of the women's matches, every time we see them fight, it's all for the championship and there's never any like blood rivalries or or storytelling there that's outside of the championship picture that's the only the only concern i'd have about it but um yeah so anything else before we move on uh yeah um just one other opportunity which they both failed on both the male and females is king of the king of the ring and oh, yeah. queen of the ring um no uh, queen's Xavier. crown it's it's queen's crown they queen's, for whatever it, reason they did cite it yeah i know i don't know yeah <laughs> so i mean uh xavier didn't do anything with that yeah he had a little FaceTime with roman reigns and then you had uh zelena vega and it's just like all right like come on like she already she already had a, a title match you know way back when and and didn't even uh stand a chance um so i think that's another one right there because i remember years past when you won that like that's essentially a number you, know, you just want a number one contenders match to face uh whatever champion of your choosing so besides money in the bank that would be another one right there um so um you know hopefully that maybe they'll they'll change that that narrative as well Unfortunately, all the King of the Ring, and we'll call it Queen of the Ring because that's what it is. The only yeah. the only benefit you get from that now, perceivably, is the, that you get to dress up and play pretend as an actual king or queen, and everyone else around you is supposed to pretend that you are as well. I mean, yeah. that's that's all you get. You get to play dress up for a few months. That's the only prize you win. Uh, everyone gets a scepter and the crown, and we're all supposed to play along, and then they adopt these phony <laughs> accents to be funny or whatever. Like that's it. That's the yeah. extent of it, and it's that's all. And it used to mean so much more back in the day. Uh, so yeah, all right. Let's move on here to the Usos and Omas versus the Street Profits and Our Truth. Um, 
oh, of course, we had the uh, Usos and Omas beat the Street Profits and R-Truth. Omas uh, did end up b- uh, winning here as he was the uh, the victor for his team. What did you make of this matchup? Um, it, it was okay. Like, again, uh, re- repetitive because uh, we all know that uh, with these tag team titles – I'm not sure if they're going to lose them before Roman, you know, loses his titles. Um, my, my, my guess is, you know, I, 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 in a perfect world, I'd like to see the Usos lose them at WrestleMania as well as Roman lose it. And it just all crumbles all at once in the, the big stage. Um, but it, it's definitely a hint that, uh, you know, almost is going to be the uh, special guest referee, uh, which that just solidifies um, them retaining the, the titles at SummerSlam, but um, any any chance I get to see uh, Montez Ford out there? Um, uh, I know we've talked uh, numerous times about this. You know he's a a future main eventer. I I think um, and, and they don't necessarily need to break up the uh, the Street Profits. They can kind of go the the route of uh, you know like the New Day. You know they're just kind of supportive. They don't really need to you know, break them up. Um, and if they did kind of do the, you know, quote unquote draft, but, um, yeah, I think it was, it was just a filler. Um, and also it was just sort of a, a way to, uh, remind everyone that, uh, Montez Ford didn't technically get pinned, um, correctly as a shoulder was up in the last pay-per-view. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, it's, it was, it was something to watch. Uh, again, it was a filler for me. Um, but again, I, I always enjoy seeing Ford out there and see how, how high he can get up in the air. Um, he's an extreme talent. Again, I, I hope they, uh, they take their time with him and they, they don't waste that potential. I hope not. I, I think they know what they have in, in Montez Ford. And I, I would love to see eventually the, this team break up and have Angela Dawkins turn heel. Although Montez Ford could turn heel, I think the fans recognize his ability. They respect him. He's the glue of that group. And and I'm, you, you and I have said, I mean, Montez Ford is a future WWE universal heavyweight, whatever champion. I mean, he, yeah. he is like, you know, uh, and so I'm looking forward to that. There's some juice left to squeeze out of the Street Profits for sure, but I don't think it's too much longer until they break up and we have a solo run. But this matchup was fine. R-Truth, you know, when he comes out there, he's a guy that just automatically connects with the crowd. I mean, the the connection he has with the audience is, is actually pretty amazing. Uh, the, the way that he's able to just connect and people still, you know, find him entertaining at his age and how long he's been with the organization. Uh, and I love our truth. He's got a very likable quality to him. It's really hard to dislike our truth, uh, you know, and he's done so much great comedy work that's really, really hard to do in wrestling. I mean, real organic comedy is 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 so difficult to do. And our truth has just been, uh, you know, excellent, and he's excelled at that. But he also is is a guy that uh, is really good in the ring, and especially at his age. And it's a shame they never really gave him a run because I think, given the connection you have, which is very rare. Uh, with with the fans organically, that they never gave him a run, even if it's a short month or two, just to have a top championship and and give the fans that that feel good moment. Uh, he he certainly has that, and and he's been relegated to comedy segments and twenty four seven titles, and he's he's excelled at that. But I think there was more, and it's a shame that that they never really decided to to, to go with him in terms of uh, just for a few months to have some fun. Uh, and, and, you know, give him a, a moment and the fans a moment. But this matchup was fine. It was all about Omas and, and his 
I'm going to start also doing like drinking games or, or or some kind of game where every time Omas roars, you know, you 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 have to do something. I mean, uh, Omas, I think is playing a little bit too much on his uh, his kind of comfort whatever he's doing. I mean, he he doesn't talk much, but he he's trying to emote the same emotion all the time. I would like yeah. to see a bit of a range from Omas. It's very uh, one-dimensional right now. In the ring, he's as good as you could possibly expect from that size of a man. But I, I'd like to see more from him other than just him roaring like a lion every five seconds when he knocks somebody down. Yeah, I think he's, uh, you know, if anyone wa- watches sports and knows this quote, like, he uh, he's just happy to be there. You know, um, you know, I don't think he's looking at the big picture of like, I, I, you know, I want to be a future champion. I think he's just happy to have this opportunity to be in the ring and and get as much spotlight as he has. Um, luckily, having MVP kind of speak for him. But, um, you know, we've seen these big giants come and go. So um, unless uh, a guy comes out there, you know, 500 pounds and in, in 10 feet. It, it's going to be the same kind of gimmick every time um, unless, you know, the last one that I saw, you know, that had pretty good talent, um, obviously the Undertaker, but like Braun Strowman, Braun could, you know, he could really move around quite a bit for, for his size and his height. But um, yeah, it's, yeah, I, I would like to see him actually roar, but like actually have fear um, because when he does, I just kind of laugh myself. Um, so I'm not sure if he's, sort of like uh just trying to make people laugh or whatnot but yeah it's yeah that's that's definitely a drinking game that i think everyone would enjoy <laughs> yeah maybe he can adopt the shanky perspective and just start dancing like you know i think uh every time he hears music just start uh just dancing or something yeah but, might uh, as well <laughs> yeah no i uh, i think omas has a bright future i do think at some point he'll hold a top championship but i don't think it's going to be in 2022 maybe in 2023 or beyond but I don't. He's not ready yet, and and that's okay. He's got some growing to do, especially on the mic. How does he deal with it without somebody to uh, speak for him? That kind of thing. So, all right, uh, let's see here. Then we get to the main event: Riddle and Bobby Lashley. They take out Seth Rollins and Theory after Theory, uh, Riddle hit Theory with an RKO. Ziggler returns in the middle of the match. If anybody had money on Ziggler. Coming back in the main event, you are a rich person today uh, because there is nobody I would, <laughs> who has thought that Ziggler, out of everybody coming down to the ring in a suit, would be coming back in the middle of this match. I can't even remember the last time Ziggler was not only on my TV screen, but in the main event of a show. I really don't know. Uh, and he also is not a, a heel, which is weird. So he comes out. He ends up shoving Theory's feet off the ropes. He was trying an illegal pin. It set up Riddle to hit the... And the uh, match ending RKO. And then after the match, Ziggler hit Theory with a super kick, a really nice one, after the show or as the show went off the air. So your take. Yeah. Um, before even the, the match started, uh, I'm not sure because I, I think you were saying that you kind of catch the highlights on Hulu. Um, so there was a little backstage segment with Bobby Lashley and Riddle and you know how Riddle goes on his, his rants and stuff. And he, he, he you know, name drops the uh, stranger things. Oh, and, I, I saw that. Yes. Yep. Oh, I, I, I just lost it there. And, um, but it, it was just funny. Cause I, I, you know, at first when, you know, Bobby Lashley being a baby face, I was just like, 
I I really did want that to happen because I did like him as a babyface, you know, in his first run with WWE. But this one, it was just kind of like kind of forced. But it's he, I think him being around other babyfaces, like it, he kind of blends in, so the spotlight's not totally on him. But I. I did like the match because, uh, you know, all four of those guys are extremely talented. Um, I'll, I'll watch all four of those guys wrestle any day of the week, um, regardless of what the storyline is. I don't, I don't know what's going on with like Riddle and, um, Rollins, uh, because again, I'm worried about that because, you know, Riddle is on the rise and it's just like, you know, Rollins has, has, has done his dues. He's, he is taking loss after loss. He's putting people over. It's time for him to regain some dominance, you know, as as a heel, as a champion. What, you know, if that happens in 2023 at the Rumble or WrestleMania, whatever. But um, no, it, it was great. Um, the the one thing that uh, you know I'm I'm sort of getting tired of is the the spears through uh, the barricade. Um, you know, that it seems to be happening a lot, um, more often than not. The only thing I did like about it was I didn't see it coming, um, uh, with the video angle. Um, but you know, and then with, uh, what's his name? Uh, Ziggler. Uh, yeah, it was just kind of random and literally like out of nowhere, like it made absolutely no sense. Him just sitting there, um, the only thing I can say is to WWE creative, please, from the bottom of my heart, do not F this up, please. Because I loved seeing Ziggler as a face when he was on that intercontinental run with uh, Miz years ago. Um, so I don't know what his angle is going to be. If he wants to maybe like sort of like um, put a stipulation and, and, and challenge uh, challenge uh, theory for that uh, money in the bank. I don't, I don't know, or screw them over and then they'll have their own storyline. But we've seen things like this happen all the time where there's heel or face changes, but then there's no direction. There's no explanation in the next week or the week after that. Um, but yeah, uh, the, the guy, uh, you know, Riddle and Bobby Lashley won and, you know, he had, a an amazing RKO and, uh, earlier in the match, uh, I, I forgot what, uh, theory was trying to do to riddle but he did an amazing uh counteractive move and put him in uh the arm bar um i mean that that's just coming from his from his mma days but um like i said the the, the match itself w- w- was great and i just i just love seeing like I, I was surprised by the chemistry by bobby lashley and riddle um because they've you know they've never wrestled to you know together as a team but all in all it was great um but definitely Right at the end with that super kick, uh, uh, I might be speaking out of context or, you know, but whatever. But when I saw him do that super kick, I, I felt a little bit of HBK on that that one. Yeah, I know it gets used a lot, but that one felt very sweet. <laughs> I, I, and I was just going to say that. that I, and I've seen a ton of super kicks from a ton of people, and I've seen Ziggler himself do hundreds of of super kicks. I mean, it may be the most single most move that used move that we've seen outside of a headlock in, in, yeah. in WWE in the last 10 years. And out of all of them, 
that is the one kick that I have seen that I can remember that actually nearly mirrored HBK the way he does it. Because everyone's tried, and people come close. This was almost a carbon copy. It was perfectly. The way that he, he did it was uh, was great. So if he was trying to mimic HBK exact, he got it. And the way Theory sold it, it was perfect. Uh, so, yeah, I would agree. It was the most HBK-esque kick I've ever seen outside of HBK himself doing it. So, uh, you know, props to that. I don't know where the hell they're going with Ziggler. I don't think anyone knows. That's the point. But I also have low confidence that WWE knows where they're going, given how they don't seem to know how to even mid-range book, that they just do stuff. And they're like, well, we'll figure it out on the back end. We'll just do this, and it'll work itself out. I feel like a lot of production meetings go that way because that's the result of a lot of things that they do is they do something. It's interesting. People are, like, interested. And, oh, my God, where are they going with this? And they, you know, get rid of Edge. Or they do Retribution. Or they do Raw Underground. And you're like, okay, this is interesting. You have my attention. And it goes nowhere. Uh, and, and I just I don't have a whole lot of faith that they have a long-term story for this. And if they do, wonderful, but I, they haven't given me a lot of evidence to think otherwise. But I'm all for it. Like Ziggler, like you said, I remember that was the most memorable part of his career for me was the Intercontinental Championship uh, matches he had with Miz. And I think he put his career on the line at one point, um, and he was getting very emotional, and that was the most I ever felt for his character. And if they do that again here, I, I have no problem with him going babyface. I just hope that his promos aren't all screaming. Because I feel like Ziggler yells a lot in his promos, so maybe he could find his promo voice that isn't all just yelling. Um, but he's good on the mic. Obviously, we all know what he is in the ring, uh, and so uh, I'm cool with it. If anybody's a Ziggler fan out there, that's like, hey, they don't, they haven't done anything with him. He's never in the main event. Well, you got a little bit of something to hang on, to hang your hat on here of Ziggler potentially being in some kind of main event title picture. Maybe it's not the Universal Championship or you know or the Heavyweight Championship, but it could be the uh, the Money in the Bank briefcase, or it could be the United States Championship if Theory wins that. I mean, so there's different directions they can go, but uh, it has me interested. And people are like, "Wow, what the hell?" You know. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. The last thing I'll say, and I'll toss it to you, with Seth Rollins, I'm concerned. Like I'm legitimately concerned about his. His career right now, not that he's not being showcased, not that he's, you know, that he's going to get fired or anything like that or that they've forgotten about him, but just maybe they don't have plans for him. I mean, I keep thinking they're going to get him into the championship picture. Okay, they're going to do it at WrestleMania. Nope, Brock and Roman at WrestleMania. Okay, they're going to do the Money in the Bank ladder match. Uh, Nope, Theory wins that. And it's like Seth Rollins right now is a guy that gets what he beat Ezekiel last week. Okay, I mean, that's the only that's the last victory I can think of with Seth at least in the last few months. So like, where is Seth Rollins going? He's a, he's a polished character, one of the best talents in WWE today. He's in his prime. You don't have to worry about age yet. He's got how many championships and, and pedigree under his belt, and yet they just are letting him kind of flounder out there and cut his promos but don't really do anything. Seth Rollins right now, they, they, it has me concerned they don't have any long-term plans. Yeah, and uh, I was actually after like uh, rewatching some of the the highlights this morning. I, I looked him up. I'm like, all right, he's 36 right now. Like, especially his style of fighting, he's probably got a solid four more years of like that high intensity before he probably has to change up a, a few of his moves. But um, and the the thing I could I could see, and I, I really would like them to split up the uh, the titles because. You know, let's not forget about Cody Rhodes, um, you know, 
potentially returning back at Royal Rumble. I, I honestly could see um, Seth winning the Royal Rumble, taking out, um, you know, kind of being shady and, 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 and sneaking a win and getting Co- Cody over, um, uh, you know, to win it all. But since the belts are separated, you know, Seth goes for the Universal and Cody, like he said, he wants that WWE um, championship belt. Um, I, I don't know. I, it, it's, it's very interesting. And, and, you know, I, I understood, you know, at a certain point, maybe because, you know, it was father time, you know, Becky just having the kid. So he probably wanted to not really be in the title scene, but again, we, we look back at it and rumors are rumors, but we, I, I heard that, you know, uh, you know, Roman didn't get COVID, uh, during uh, the day one pay-per-view, uh, Seth was supposed to win that like fatal four way one. And maybe it would have been Seth versus, uh, Roman at WrestleMania for the main event. I have, I have no idea. Um, you know, it's, it, it's just, it's a shame right now, but we, I mean, Seth is a guy though. Like I think uh, being a veteran, he'll, he'll speak his words. So obviously what's going on right now, um, if, if he's not happy with it, he would be, he would be uh, show, expressing his his voice and his feelings towards this because he, he's just he's just way too good of a guy, whether it's on the mic or in the ring. And again, these last two money in the banks, I thought he was going to win. I mean, he like this would have been uh, come full circle. I know it could be repetitive, but it, I really saw, you know, OK, Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns one last time at SummerSlam last man standing they're at the count of like seven or eight Seth Rollins has the money in the bank comes right back out just like that Wrestlemania like I know it was similar but like that would have been a cool like come full circle again um but yeah man I it's you know I just I just I hope he I hope he finds a good storyline um and with, with with Ziggler um you know that to me and I'm just speculating, maybe because Ziggler is back and kind of, um, you know, did that to, to theory that he will theory will actually maybe uh, win the U.S. title back. And then he'll have some type of thing going on, you know, with the U.S. title and the money in the bank um, with uh, Ziggler. And then, you know, Bobby, because. I know I understand Bobby Lashley. He's 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 a good champion, and everything. But I still think he has a couple good years of being a main eventer and being a champion. But again, we're we're kind of uh, held down tight on this because there's only one belt. There needs to be. He's essentially the Raw's champion, um, as close as it can be. But we they need to separate those belts. Like like I don't care what has to be done. You can. Like Roman could literally come to Raw or SmackDown, and be like, yeah, I just don't want this belt anymore. I don't care. And then we can finally have some legitimate storylines because you are taking away so many good wrestlers' talent and storylines and potential, and you're handicapping it, and you're not allowing them to be at their full potential. Like, there's only so many wrestlers that can challenge them. And you know, totally off topic, but it just like because I know you mentioned it on on the review. It just annoys me that, you know, in number one contenders match for Clash of Clash of Clans or whatever. And it's like we we're not even we're not even done the this SummerSlam pay-per-view. And you're already talking about the number one contender for the next one. So they're they're just making it way too easy for us to predict these uh, these match outcomes. So, 
Yeah, Clash of the Castle next month. Uh, is it next month or is it September? I think it's in August. Um, yeah. It, which is weird. To me, August is always SummerSlam. It's just, it's got me all screwed up. And then they're doing Saturday pay-per-views and it's like, mm. hey, I don't know what they're doing. But uh, yeah, I when they do that, and you're, you're like, well, Roman's champion until here. So anything that happens between now and then, it's not going to, he's not going to drop the belt. But that's to me, and and I was a Roman Reigns defender of this whole storyline longer than most. I held out. I held my ground, and people were tired of it. And I'm like, yeah, but you guys don't understand. This is a legendary run. But to me, over the last like month or so, I finally caved, and I've said, yeah, I'm done because of the, the that very fact. That was the tipping point for me when I'm looking at Raw just constantly without a top champion, constantly not having that, 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 that belt that the guys could fight for, and them taking the opportunity away from people like Seth Rollins, like Riddle, that are on Raw, that they could have that opportunity, and they're just they're holding it hostage with a guy that's at every third show of SmackDown and every other pay-per-view. And it's just, at this point, it's diminishing, a law of diminishing returns. To me, it's a total net negative now, and I hate saying that given how great Roman's run has been, but you have to look at it at this now at this stage and not be selfish and say, okay, well, great run, legendary run, historic run, number four in all of championship runs in WWE, great. Uh, now it's time to give it back to the guys. Like you said, I don't care if it, it, how it happens. If Vince comes out on Monday night and, and he's like, hey, uh, yep, no, we're splitting the belts, F- whatever, don't care. I'm usually about congruity and logic and storylines. I will give this one a total hall pass. If yeah. they, I don't care what or how sloppy or how bad the, the writing is. I don't care if somebody's four-year-old kid writes the story and it's embarrassing on TV. I don't care. I just yeah. want the championship back to Raw. If they're, and I, I don't, I, w- I wouldn't, I don't want to be saying this, but the way that they've executed this with Roman since WrestleMania has been a total absentee champion, which has been really, really hurting Raw way more than I think it should be. And that's that's where the breaking point for me was. So I don't care how the hell they do it. I will allow total sloppiness and and just awful writing for this one benefit to get the championship back to Raw. I don't care how it happens. Yeah, and 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 you can you can have a champion like that as long as there's another champion on the other brand. Like Brock, he did that a bunch, but whether it was on SmackDown or Raw, the other champion was there full time. So we it wasn't. It wasn't that big of a deal, but like, you know, I, I look back at uh, uh, Charlotte when she won the NXT title against Rhea Ripley uh, a couple of WrestleManias ago. She was there on like every show, whether she was just doing a promo or defending it. And it's just like that. That's a champion right there. And but you know what? Um, I, I I don't know because I I know you mentioned about you know with The Rock and Roman. I don't know if The Rock will you know want to be associated with it with mm-hmm. all these allegations with Vince. But it's like if that truly is a possibility going down the line for WrestleMania in, in L.A., then we then he he has to lose it before that because I, I do not want The Rock versus Roman. Nobody wants The Rock versus Roman for the title because you know who like Rock's not going to be a full time wrestler after that. So that would just kind of be a gimme. So I'd rather just have them just like, you know, almost like brother versus brother, you know, and like family versus who is the head of the table. And I think that's a better stipulation than a championship match. Oh God, a hundred times. And, and the, the, the outcome of the match is much more unpredictable. 
and that's all you need. You don't need a championship mucking up the whole thing. It's all about head of the table. It's it's family driven. That's all you need. And I don't think that Vince sees it that way. Just like you saw this year, he feels like more is always better. And that's not the case with what he did this past year with Roman and Brock taking the both top championships, sticking into, into a unification match and then trying to force feed us the marketing that it's the biggest WrestleMania match of all time, which of course we all know is a blatant lie. And it didn't even live up to a quarter of that um, in terms of the match quality. I don't think their match was that great at WrestleMania. So, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, I mean, you could you, you could even say the one before that edge and Daniel Bryan and Roman was 20 times better than that one. Yeah. So, yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And yeah. and so, I, you know, you, you take all that and put it together, guys. It, it's just super simple to do. Just I don't care. Here's the thing. You could have your cake and eat it, too, with WWE. You could find a way legally. They could draw up a contract, come up with some, sh- sh- you know, schmaz uh, storyline that they're going to end up uh, giving a championship back to Raw. Roman will, uh, you know, be graceful enough as as our tribal chief to grace WWE or Raw with a championship. He's still able to continue his run as Universal champion which is what championship he held to begin with at SummerSlam in 2020 two years ago so they could still have his run going but at least have a top champion on raw i think they're regretting they have to be regretting unifying those championships i mean so that's how you do it you keep roman street going if you want and give raw a championship that's it yeah so yeah all right well uh any anything else or uh any other topics you want to discuss before we wrap it up no man, uh, just just happy to be back uh, on this podcast with you, man. It's always it's always been a pleasure uh, butting heads. You know, there I think one person said uh, on our last podcast. You know, uh, we got Ian, Ian talking about certain things as the devil, and then we got Matt on the other <laughs> side talking as the angel. And I'm like, yeah, that that's what makes it work. So uh, always good chemistry talking with you, and definitely looking forward to doing uh, more more podcasts or different formats of the podcast in the future. Absolutely. And I, I know you've got some life changing events coming up. So, uh, that'll be priority fairly soon. But anytime you can, we can, you can find, uh, you know, an hour or so in your, in your crazy schedule, we'll definitely link up. Oh, oh, for certain, man. I, yeah, I greatly appreciate it. So, all right, buddy. Well, you have a good night. All right. Take care, man. You too. Bye. So, in addition to pro wrestling that I need every day, I don't know about you. I need coffee every day and I need quality coffee. That's why I go with coffeeofvalhalla.com. They get fresh roasted specialty coffee roasted the day it ships to your door. Again, it's coffeeofvalhalla.com. That's coffee of V-A-L-H-A-L-L-A, V-A-L-H-A-L-L-A.com because the owner is a former service member trying to take care of his battle buddies. He donates 50% of the proceeds to StopSoldierSuicide.org. So order today and use discount code 10OFF, all one word, for a 10% discount. Or you can subscribe and save 15% off of your order. So go get some coffee again at CoffeeOfValhalla.com. Coffee of V-A-L-H-A-L-L-A.com, guys. And also donate to a great cause and have a great cup of coffee, guys. CoffeeOfValhalla.com. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show or head to wwepodcast.com and for all of these shows ad free head over to patreon.com slash wwe podcast until then 
We'll see you next time.